0: We want you to know you absolutely matter to God, and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Um, My name, as he said, was Julie Bieshausen, and I serve here at NAC on the well, hospitality um, team. And I was asked to reflect and share what I love about this church. And it's ironic that I didn't know this little video was going to be here. But um, there's lots of things I love about this church. But the one I wanted to focus on today was um, the caring and welcoming community that I find this church to be. Every Sunday when I walk through those front doors, I am warmly welcomed and it doesn't seem to matter uh, what kind of a week you've had. I find you can trust this church community to encourage, to empathize, to pray, and laugh and sometimes cry with you. And I also find it's a church that I feel comfortable um, inviting my neighbors and friends to because I know that they too will be made to feel welcome and accepted. And that's what I love about this church. Um, today's reading is going to be from um, Acts chapter two, verses forty-two to forty-seven. Let to try and read this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. the word of the Lord. Thanks.
2: Thank you, Julie. Uh, a few years ago, um, I went to our Alliance Denomination District meeting. Uh, one of the things our staff is in unity about is that going to these denominational things is uh, it's super lame. And uh, we can edit that out of the podcast in case the the higher-ups are listening. Um, but at this conference, there was prizes, a draw. And you had, all you had to do was submit a quick video of something good that was happening in your church. And uh, it was sort of the district's version of our own open mic. And there was always a good God story happening at NAC. So I, I submitted a quick video. And um, I, I don't win things as a rule. I, I don't believe in luck. But if there was such a thing, I don't, I don't got it. And... Uh, I gotta tell you though, as soon as I submitted this entry, I had this, this feeling like, I'm gonna win. And wouldn't you know it, they drew my name. And what did I win? All the Bibles that I could fit in my trunk? A gold-plated clerical collar? No. Show them, Rex, what I, what I won. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you own something like this? An, an elliptical, a treadmill, a rowing, yeah. <laughs> that is my next picture because that is what it turned into. Right there. How many, be honest, your machine turned into that? Yeah, me too. Now, there's some basic uh, facts We, I think we can all... Agree on in terms of health, calories in, calories out, uh, exercise, uh, sugar, fats, salts versus fruits, veggies and protein, etc. But believing these truths don't make a difference. Uh, Wouldn't it be great if it did, though? Uh, It's the doing. And doing is so key, in fact, that you can actually, you know, use these exercise equipment... Uh, and not believe that it's doing any good. This doesn't even make a lick of, why do I even bother? I could be napping right now. It turns out it's still beneficial for you whether you actually believe in it or not. So my question, introverts, extroverts, everybody, um, doesn't having a partner make a big difference in the discipline of exercising, it's so much easier to talk yourself out of exercising if there's no one waiting for you. Uh, If you've hired a trainer and booked an appointment, that's way harder to brush off. When when it's a team sport, when there's people waiting on you, counting on you, that, that makes such a huge difference when you're debating whether or not you're gonna get out of bed. Uh, when it comes to exercise, or maybe when it comes to the most important things in our life, your community might just make all the difference. So believers, uh, Christians are called believers. Uh, Why? Because there is something very foundational and fundamental about what we believe. But it is also true that not all believers act on what they believe, uh, just like exercise. And I would submit to you this morning, in this pastor's humble opinion, that following Jesus in isolation is incompatible. It's an oxymoron. You, You can't do it by yourself. The faith journey is really a team sport. I don't know if you've played a a board game where you draw a card and it says, all play, do you know what I'm talking about? That means it's not an individual's turn. Everybody has to perk up. Everybody has to get in the game and participate. Folks, church was meant to be an all play, okay? We are knack. Now, I've lost some of you already because you fundamentally don't buy into that concept of, of living out a faith that needs to be done together. You are fine with Jesus and me, right? You would be okay with the church if it weren't for all these darn Christians in it. Uh, I am independently minded. I am an introvert. My least favorite part of school, group work, right? I have been hurt in churches. Maybe if I'd been hurt, the way that you've been hurt in churches. I'd be done with so-called Christians too. So, Pastor, are you, are you telling me that if, you know, Tom Hanks gets stranded on an island and all he's got is, you know, his volleyball friend and uh, a waterlogged Bible, and he prays every day and talks to God that his faith isn't valid because he doesn't have a community there? no. I'm saying that Jesus and the New Testament writers tell us there is a better way, that that this faith was meant to be lived out together. Uh, And I would say, unless you are Tom Hanks on a deserted island with a waterlogged Bible and a volleyball as a best friend, it is actually incumbent upon you to do this life together. In fact, I would submit to you, I can't actually find a biblical paradigm wherein one does this discipleship life individually. You know, the writer of Hebrews says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't give up meeting together. Spur each other on. Encourage one another, especially in these days. And uh, I can see, you know, if we had just stopped last week at at the know Jesus part, why you might Think that's all there is to it, you know? Knowing Jesus, abiding in Jesus. Uh, you might be able to make a case that, hey, it's just me and Jesus, but we're, we're only one third through this biblical vision. The three bullet points uh, work in conjunction with each other, they, they overlap, they, they need each other. They are not silos where you can sort of lean into one aspect and ignore the others. So when I hear people give a, a variation of the statement, You know, I'm good with Jesus, but I want nothing to do with his church. Like, could you imagine if I said to to Glenn, you know, hey, buddy, I I love working with you. You're cool, and I want to be with cool people, and I want you to take me hunting, and we have chemistry, but you keep Brittany away from me, (laughs) okay? If you know what's good for you, I want nothing to do with her. You, you know, your bride, the, the person you've committed your whole life to. Do you think that might keep us from being besties? Yeah. And yet all kinds of people are essentially saying, oh, I'm good with you, Jesus. I just want nothing to do with your bride that you died for and love and are preparing a place for. It's not a Jesus and me club. That's not what the New Testament lays out. And I know for many of us, it would, it would feel easier it would hurt less. If y'all are as messy as I am, the longer we get to know each other, I can guarantee you we are going to hurt each other, offend each other, disillusion each other. I have already offended and disillusioned some of you. Some of you have already hurt, offended, and disillusioned me. But the message of the New Testament is be with one another. Live your life among one another in such a way that those looking at us from the outside would go, wow, those, those people really love one another. I want to be part of that. Our vision is that we would grow in community, authentic community. And the Bible uses even stronger language, language of family and language of being one body. Uh, So choosing community, growing in community, is kind of like the faith version of getting on the exercise bike. Don't just have it sitting in your den. It's, It's doing that makes the difference. And chances are you won't be doing much in your faith if you don't have someone in your life spurring you on, challenging you to take that next step, not just talking about... The concept of forgiveness, but giving you a real-world opportunity to forgive and spurring you on, encouraging to forgive someone else. Iron sharpening iron, uh, Proverbs says. Not giving up meeting together. This is, you know, that verse that preachers use as proof text for, you got to come to church on Sunday morning. You need to come to youth group. And I'm not sure that's actually what... um, the verse is saying in hebrews i think it's more like you need to keep meeting with other believers in such a way that you can spur each other on because if you're not in a community like that there is a deficit there is something missing it will impact your faith and folks that kind of growth it doesn't happen mostly by sitting in rows it happens more by sitting in circles, right? Um, there's a little picture, a little formula here. Circles are greater than rows. In fact, perhaps those of you who have drifted from the faith, didn't, didn't it always begin that you started to drift from people? Um, that's how it seems to me that it always starts. Suddenly they, they got on your nerves uh, or you moved away and, uh, and you never bothered to find a, a, a new community of believers, the next thing you know, you're not surrounded by people who challenge or ask or, or talk about things of faith. If you abandon the, the one another's, uh, if you abandon community, there's, there's a good chance that you'll abandon your faith because faith comes alive in community. Why? Because community is where you you see your faith working and where you're challenged to work it. And and that's why the writer of Hebrews is like, some of you have stopped meeting together with other believers. What are you you thinking? You can't do this solo. This was divinely inspired to be a, a one another thing. So here's my question. Is anyone outside of your immediate family spurring you on in your faith? Is there anyone in your life, a group of people, spurring you on? Does anyone have permission? Is there a setting or a context where these things come up naturally? Who has access to you? Uh, Has your entire Christian experience been in rows, listening to the band and a talking head? And is that your whole experience of faith. What happens in circles can't happen in rows. And I'm not content having you just believe. I want you to act on what you believe. And here it is small groups are where you are challenged to act on what you believe, it's where the rubber hits the road. I'm under no illusions that when you walk out of here on a Sunday morning, um, that that you immediately apply what we've talked about. It's in the community of, of a small group where you wrestle with it and live out aspects of faith. I know you don't have time for this, I know. Vicki and I don't either. I looked at Vicki this week and was like, both of us were feeling exhausted and overwhelmed from a long day and I was like, does our life consist of work, watching the voice, going to bed? And starting it all over again. It feels like that sometimes, right? Uh, I know you don't have time for this either, Um, but you don't have time for exercise either, and you wish you did, and you know you'd be better off if you did. And for those of you who do prioritize exercise, you know you had to give up some things in order to exercise, and I'll bet you don't regret it for a minute because it's good for you. Now, For the rest of us, just quickly add up all the hours and things you did instead of exercising. You know what it all adds up to? Nothing. (laughs) Season of stranger things, maybe. You have nothing to show for it. And the same applies to small group. Uh, But if you commit to a circle, if you take a risk, if you would be vulnerable, if you would... um, Meet some people, you will have something to show for it. And what many of you will show for is actually lifelong friends, uh, allies, mentors, brothers and sisters. Now, before I overpromise and end up you being disappointed, a couple words of, of warning, and I'll say it as plainly as I, as I can. Being part of a community will not be a quick fix. It will not solve your problems. I dare say it will create more problems. It's, it's easier to live in isolation. It's neater. It's cleaner. Relationships require of you, but true community is worth it. It's, it's often where God shows up. Jesus had a dream called the church, and it, his dream was so compelling. And, you know, our interpretation of what it means to go be the church, you know, is lacking. It can leave a lot to be desired, but the, the, bi- the biblical picture is is quite compelling. And that's what this vision series is really about. It's because the church isn't some man-made institution. It's not just a, a charitable non-profit that we can take or leave. The church is... You and me, we are the church. We are NAC. And like it or not, the church is what we are called to be. You could say it's even our purpose in life. It's the vehicle for how we make our mark on the world. So we looked at the historical account again this morning. One of the more inspiring descriptions, I think, of a church in action, a picture of being the church. Julie read from Acts 2 a picture of the dream that Jesus had. And we talked last week about a church that is authentically knowing God, not knowing about him, but but knowing him deeply and relationally and experientially. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were lifelong learners. They were disciples. They were abiding. But they were also a church that was growing in loving Community. It's the kind of church I want to be a part of because I think it's the dream of Jesus. Um, take another look at, at that description in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. You know, packed in those few lines is a picture so radical it's hard to take it all in. It, we can't even cover it today, but I'll point you to some other resources. And when it says that they devoted themselves to the fellowship, what does that mean? Um, it's such a great word. We, uh, we you only hear it in churches, it seems. Maybe uh, maybe in academics, like you know, yeah, getting an academic fellowship. Um, Maybe you hear it with the nerds at Comic Con, and they try to reenact the Hobbits and the Fellowship of the Ring. But the original Greek word is one of the better-known Greek words, at least among churchy types. Uh, anybody know the the word for fellowship? Koinonia. Yeah, uh, you've have you heard that word before, koinonia? If you're of a certain Age and raised in a certain kind of church, you may even remember that there was an early 80s Christian jazz band called Koinonia. It's the first time I heard the word, which raises a really uh, important question. Uh, What the heck is Christian jazz exactly? Uh, Maybe we'll know in heaven. Koinonia literally means the common life. Uh, So this was about... The life they were sharing. Oh dear, this sounds dangerously close to socialism. Uh, it's okay, breathe, stay with me. The life that they were doing, they were doing it together. This, this life in Christ. And it spoke of the kind of life it was. it was. It was a life built on love and unity. Now when I say unity, please don't um, hear Uniformity. Very different uniformity is everyone looking and thinking alike. Uh, we have another word for that. It's called a cult. And unanimity is uh, is complete agreement about every secondary and tertiary and petty issue that comes across the board. That's that's legalistic. That's not life-giving. But koinonia means unity. Unity on. On the big things related to our purpose and mission and the central elements of, of belief are the personhood of Jesus, the holiness of God, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, the problem of sin, the great commandment, the great commission, love God, love others, make disciples. Uh, actually, as my friend Don reminded me, make disciples who make disciples, you know, the essentials, Right? Uh, it is a oneness of heart. It is a relational unity. And it says that they were devoted to that. They were devoted to this fellowship, to this koinonia, which means that it wasn't something that just happened. It was something they had to make happen. They devoted themselves to the koinonia. They, they had to be game for it. They had to be willing to do uh, what it takes to have it. And, but there's more to what koinonia is. Growing in authentic community, being a loving church, a loving people, it sometimes means getting your hands dirty. It means infringing on your personal time. The, the love that permeated the fellowship was not only relational, it was functional. It was practical. It was all hands on deck. If someone was in need, That need was met. If somebody was disadvantaged, people came to their side. It happened uh, this week as the Hunt small group stepped up for them in a task that that they couldn't really complete on their own. And and that's just the most recent example that comes to mind. If if you want to hear a great sermon on it, come back in a couple weeks, and we'll unpack this idea of what it means to be an Acts 2 church serving each other. That's part of what it means to grow in community. The community is simply a network of relationships that are birthed from working together, working towards the same goal, the same mission. Uh, What else? What else? Being in community uh, who loves Jesus means that we are growing in grace towards each other. You know what grace is, don't you, right? It's, It's getting what you don't deserve, not getting what you do. And it's about God's love coming to us free of charge, no strings attached. Uh, You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It's just a gift. Um, If we have to err on a side at NAC, we are going to err on the side of grace instead of legalism. You know, I I heard about a, a church last week uh, whose biggest concerns seem to be whether people wear ACDC shirts to Bible study. That is not knack, okay? We will practice one anothering in community. In the New Testament, there are 59 one another verses. Love one another, honor one another, accept one another, carry one another's burdens, forgive one another. Uh, if you want to hear a great uh, sermon series, you can go to our Sermon page on the website on that. Growing in community also gives you a chance to practice not being offended. Oh, man, we are so easily offended, aren't we? Uh, it ruins relationships. If you want to hear an amazing sermon series on, uh, on that, go to one called Unoffendable on our sermon page website. <laughs> and when there is legitimate offense... Um, conflict that needs to be addressed a growing community gets to practice reconciliation gets to put into practice a biblical model for confrontation if you want to hear a great sermon on how to have conflict (laughs) well you can go to our sermon page Uh, a couple weeks ago i said i was going to be a little spicy and uh Uh, make some hard observations. And y'all didn't run me out of town with pitchforks. And uh, so maybe I'm tempting fate here, but let me just be a little spicy again. First, the good news. I think we are an exceedingly friendly church, a welcoming church. We have a reputation for that. I was welcoming a lady a few weeks ago, her first time. Before she even got into the auditorium, she said, Oh my, this is an incredibly welcoming place. Praise God. That's great. I hope hope that has been your experience. I'm not sure that we are good at the next step, whatever that is called, the next step of relationship, of depth, of truly knowing and being known. Um, I don't know if it's because we have our established circles, if this is a Canadian problem in general, if it's because you have an an introverted pastor who's not awesome at hospitality. I just sense intuitively and anecdotally, this is an area that we need to grow in. And I, I don't even necessarily have the answer of how to become that type of church. I just feel it's the next place that God would have us grow in. And I I do know it involves a couple things. It involves us choosing vulnerability. Uh, it involves authenticity, taking off the mask. Maybe most of all, it involves initiative on our part. And I noticed that word was a, was a key word to the healthy small groups that I'm observing in our church. And I I want to invite some of the leaders and representatives uh, to come up and just let me ask them one question. So I've invited Johan and Christina and Mike and Michelle. And uh, if they would come up, small groups um, can be a tricky thing. And I'm not sure any church has cracked the code on making them a universally uh, engaging, organic, spiritually vibrant proposition. If there are churches with a very high percentage of of their congregation in small groups, this has been my observation at least. Uh, Not always, but often it's a very top-down program, right? The church leadership kind of mandates that everyone needs to be in a small group and so they get their best administrator on the case to organize people by geography or by age group or by season of life. And you're assigned a small group. And, and those can work. And I've seen them work. Uh, and often there's a, there is a church-wide curriculum that the pastor wants everyone to take. And sometimes, honestly, can feel a little contrived. It feels more like doing homework than doing life together. And there are, there are definitely pros to that model. But as I looked around at the adult small groups at NAC that, that are working, uh, they are healthy. And by the way, this is a, this is a model that is happening at ROC and will be happening in our kids. We believe in the small group model of life change happening best in groups. But the groups that were healthy and sustained and growing were kind of happening organically. And it wasn't through the church playing matchmaker, it wasn't through it growing programmatically, which maybe goes to prove a point that um, programs don't attract people, people attract people, right? And so I was watching groups who were organically making new relationships and then inviting others and all of them were taking initiative. So let's start with Johan. Uh, Come over here, brother, Uh, your small group has had a, a similar core for years, uh, but also adding various people all the time, and it, and it seems like you guys have a philosophy of of always being open to new people. Can you, can you say more about that?
3: Yeah, so I think um, as a small group, and maybe over the last few years it hasn't been easy to do, because we've not been meeting together so much, but... Um, We've tried to be open for people to come and join us, and um, we have had different people come in, and they've always, um, they might not be the same as us, we've had new Christians in, um, I can remember we had Joyce, some people were concerned she was a lot older than the rest of us, but whenever we've had somebody else who doesn't quite fit our demographic, they've always added value, and um, they've challenged us in different ways, um, and been a blessing to the group, Yeah. so. Yeah, so our group is open to anyone who wants to come and join us. And, and um, we'd not close the door. And, um, and so, yeah, if you want to come and join our group, you can come and talk to me.
2: Hey, right on. <laughs> we got an invitation. I love that. And, you, you know, like, sometimes you're, you must be thinking, where are we going to fit everybody? And, and do these, will there be chemistry? But from what I understand, it always seems to work out.
3: Yeah, it, it it does. I mean, I think... I, I can remember just earlier on, but in England I was in a group which had a 14-year-old and an 80-year-old, and there were young singles and um, then there were people who would be parents, like the age of parents, and it was a group which was the most, like, acting community. Wow. I think um, we didn't have... A, I, I didn't have a TV at that time because we were in and out of each other's houses all the time and didn't have time to... To watch tv and um helped each other out and um the older people you know they in fact it's around for sunday lunch and it was a blessing and we'd help each other out and we needed help so yeah i, I think um small groups have always been part of my christian life and um, i think there's lots of times where um i don't know where i'd be without hmm. that support and the love of the people around me like, It's a I can't be open with everyone, but there's that small group of people I can be vulnerable with. Um, and they've helped us through difficult times. Mm, that's amazing.
2: Thank you. We need to give that to Mike. And uh, by the way, there, there are seasons, I think, where some groups um, need to be closed, uh, not open. And, and, and it have, may have to do with space issues. It may have to do with going through a season of just being totally vulnerable where you know, new people uh, might uh, sort of mess with that time of total openness. So this is not a guilt thing about if you are in a season of being a closed group. But Mike, uh, as well, you are with the Rabinux and Raquel and the Coles and Gus and Miriam, and all your members seem to invite others when they see somebody who's in need of community. And again, it doesn't seem like you're about orchestrating the perfect chemistry or demographics. But when it all comes together, I guess you're trusting God of who you've assembled in the, when, it all, when the dust settles.
0: Yeah, yeah we, we've certainly been through the orchestrating and, and more of the prescribed Uh, philosophy Um, and and so I guess in the last number of years it's just changed a bit to our group kind of chatting and talking to people uh, you know after church or during the service kind of thing Uh, and so there's essentially there's two there's two uh, sections of our uh, if you want to call it throughout the calendar year where we follow the the school calendar Uh, so that'd be September to June Uh, With our small group and at that point we're interacting with people in the church and then uh, that's more the formal part I suppose Uh, and then the more the the socialization part or informal part is in uh, July and August and so uh, the people that we've uh, Met with and had uh, developed some relationship we will invite them to our house uh, in the afternoon for potluck and then uh, kind of the whole group gets to meet them and then uh, as things go along, we, we, we kind of work through things uh, in terms of who would maybe want to stay or who would want to attend, uh, and, and uh, usually by the time August, end of August, September rolls around, we have kind of the, the group for the next year, and then, and then we move forward uh, from there. So this, this year took us a little longer. We're meeting for the first time this Thursday, uh, but uh, we, we have some people now that, that are joining us and some people have left us, and so there's, you know, that, it's a little more organic, I guess, is as you were. Uh, that's great. To, and so. it sounds like you guys really
2: do practice the acts to, you know, breaking bread together often. So I, I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It work,
2: works well. Works yeah. Really well. Pass that to Christina. And uh, Christina's in a new group with the Maxmans and the Daras. And I, I was so impressed with uh, Sherry, the the leader of this new group, who, who actually asked to be aware of new families and has invited some of them over. Um, Christina, what prompted you to join this group and has it already been beneficial?
4: Yeah, so I'd say we've been coming to NAC for maybe six, seven years. And the first three, I think we came with the assumption that you know, it would be very natural to just sort of um, ingrate ingrate into relationship with people, and both my husband and I are very much introverts, so it's very difficult for us to sort of put ourselves out there. So, while our, our experience was that you know this was a super friendly church, we began to sort of crave something deeper, uh-huh. and it wasn't happening for us, and we weren't exactly sure why. Um, and there's real barriers to that, and, and logistics and stuff. But anyway, that was sort of our experience, and then. COVID only amplified that. Um, And so we started to wonder, are other people feeling the same way? Is this just an us thing? Or are there people here that are feeling that that disconnect like we are? And so we just kind of kept showing up and um, serving. And sure enough, we ended up in just casual conversation uh, first with the Maxmans And and, uh, sure enough, they were feeling that way too. And so that's sort of how our group began to form. It was just a, a few of us that had that sort of same feeling that we wanted and craved deeper connection, a real relationship where you can do life with people. And that might not be what everyone wants. Maybe you want to drop in and out to a group and that's okay. But where we were at, we, we really wanted to invest our time and energy um, into real relationship with people so our group formed and we spent the better part of a year just sort of getting to know each other and you know being vulnerable and so now i can say you know i can't really imagine doing life without these people Mm. it's so encouraging and uplifting and just to have those relationships now flourishing um, It's just amazing. We're really glad that. So I just would encourage you, like, keep talking. Be vulnerable with people. If you're feeling that way, tell somebody. Mm. Because maybe you'll find the person who feels the same way, Mm. however you're feeling. And I think God will bring you together.
2: That's so good, Christina. I I had no idea what people were going to say. And that that was just, thank you for that. Uh, Pass the mic to Michelle. And uh, it's amazing that, uh, you know, Michelle and Jason's first Sunday was the last Roundup in 2019. And boy, have they quickly become such a vital part of our church. Michelle's an elder at our church and she was our summer intern and she gave she gives uh, or gave leadership to our ESL ministry. I mean, talk about initiative. But Michelle also saw that there was a growing number of, of young families with young kids who needed community and the way that Michelle and Jason needed community. And so she started uh, reaching out. Uh, is that a fair synopsis mm-hmm. so far? So t- tell us wh- more about that.
5: Yeah, so Jason and I came from a church where small groups was a real priority, and um, I myself really was exposed to church for the first time through fellowship. Um, I, neither of us come from Christian families, so we really came to faith in small group communities and grew in our faith that way. And um, yeah, so we've been at church for a couple of years as Pastor Jonathan was saying, and similar to Christina, um, we know a lot of people now, but we were craving that deeper relationship. And um, we've, we thought that it was due to the pandemic, but we realized it's also because of our life stage. Right? We have um, young kids and we realized, oh, Tiny Treasures is growing. When we first started, it was really tiny. There was sometimes just Joshua. And then now it's like bustling and so there are all these new families and we still haven't even gotten to know all the new families that have come in. So I just started to, you know, introduce myself, try to show up in person a little more um, because we were virtually worshipping a lot of the time um, since the baby is napping at service. Um, So, yeah, and then as I made my introductions, I realized that these other families are also looking for ways to uh, go deeper in mm-hmm. communities so we thought let's try to make a small group for families with kids that are five and under mm-hmm. and um, we can find a time that works for us when the kids go to sleep mm-hmm. and it's you know virtual and uh, yeah it's it was hard to be part of small groups where other kids or or um, mm-hmm. Kids are older and they don't have the same needs or um, other members don't have the same challenges as Mm -hmm. we do. So we've just met once so far and that was really encouraging, just like um, sharing a little bit of uh, what family life is. We all just get each other and so, yeah, I think we're all really excited to...
2: That's amazing. But somebody had to pull the trigger. I mean, maybe you were all feeling it, but thank you for sort of... Pulling the trigger. Yeah. Will you give a hand to all these uh, brave people? It's like um, I was talking to Clayton Bunn last week. I don't know if uh, the Bun family are here, but you know, they had a great block party, but you know, somebody had to do it. Somebody had to had to pull the trigger, and so the Buns and Amanda uh, were those organizers. Um, and everybody benefited, but, you know, somebody had to initiate. Last, last thing I want to share uh, from my small group, Shannon Asbury couldn't be here, but she, she wrote a little something. Um, being in the same cell group, she says, with the same people for so many years has had the obvious benefit of being able to build deep, significant relationships. It has created for me a spiritual family where it's safe to be vulnerable, where joys are multiplied and griefs divided. Oh, I like that. But perhaps even more importantly, it has been a blessing for our children. Our kids have grown up being cared for and covered with the prayers of our cell family. Every time we met, we prayed for our kids. As they grew... What they were stepping into also grew, and as a result, our faith in God's ability to keep them grew as well as we prayed and petitioned on their behalf. By strengthening and encouraging each other as parents, and by taking each other's children under our spiritual wing, we made the often difficult journey of raising a family that much easier. And now it's such a joy to attend the weddings and the baby showers and celebrate the accomplishments of our now grown kids who are living examples of the power of prayer. It's been said that it takes a village to raise a child, but in our case, it took a cell group. And so I, I, I want to ask why they invited Vicky and me, the newbies, into this very well-established group, And she says, the reason we invited Jonathan and Vicky into our group was because God asked us to, plain and simple, and we are so grateful they agreed to join us. Initiative, invitational. My and Norm go out with Frank and Tanya for lunch. They say, hey, there's some chemistry here. Why why not make a small group out of it? Steve and Linda, you know, talk to different couples and say, I could use the community. You could use the community. What... Rosa and Liz and Jacob see a need for young adults. They, they take the initiative and put it out there and meet on Thursday nights. Glenn and Britt and Derek see a need for older young adults. And they start inviting. Uh, forgive me, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting one, one or two of the groups. But you get the idea. They are happening relationally, organically. If you have not been asked into a small group, I'm sorry. Um, but maybe it's an opportunity to start your own. Uh, we sort of made this uh, partly tongue-in-cheek, but it's partly real. Uh, s- small group in a box. The point being is that, you know, anyone can do it. We'll resource you, um, but all you need is a home, and, uh, or, or maybe not. Maybe book the church. You could be homeless and still have a small group um, so so, maybe consider taking the initiative to do that uh, that we would grow together and uh, I, I I think that's the dream of Jesus. We stand with me as we close in prayer. God falling in love with you it, that's not surprising. I, I mean, you are irresistible, but Falling in love with people sometimes is is hard, and and that can be the real miracle. Uh, But we recognize that once once people find love in other people, they'll inevitably find you, Jesus. Community is one of the best gifts the church has to offer, and it's one thing for us to watch a church service, but... um, you know, you can't get the internet to help you move. <laughs> Only a close community can do that. And so we just recognize, Jesus, that we are better together. We, we want to be part of this thing you call the body, the family of God. And so maybe even where we don't have a desire, build in us a desire to be in vulnerable, authentic, loving community. And may we know even, Lord, as an as a organization, as a church leadership, how to best facilitate that, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. You are such a loved people. I hope you feel that. I hope you believe it. Um, it's, good to, it's good to come to church. It's good to watch church. But I'd rather that you come to authentically know Jesus, grow in community, and then go be the church. God bless you as you go. You're so loved.